Why don't we open the word of prayer this morning? Lord, we come to you this morning acknowledging our need for you. Lord, we need you. Lord, we pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning, that you would make clear those things that even now are unclear. And Lord, we pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we continue our extended series in the book of James. You know, we've been here for several months now. And our topic this morning is patience in suffering. Patience in suffering. I don't know how many of you heard about the the young man who went to church one Sunday. This is the pastor, actually. And uh, he said to the congregation, he said, you know, I prayed for patience, but I'm not getting it fast enough. Well, perhaps you didn't get that one. I would try it. I would try another one with you. <laughs> After um, service one Sunday, two ladies were in the parking lot walking to their cars, and one of the ladies remarked, she said, you know, that was an excellent message on patience. And then the second lady replied, she said, yeah, it was. But he went five minutes over. (laughs) Patience. Something all of us know a lot about. And I must confess to you as I stand here that I am perhaps the least qualified to speak on this topic. Perhaps if one were to consider the span of my own life, one would come to that conclusion. My life has been characterized by acts of impatience, one after the other. And so, it is somewhat remarkable, really, that providentially, I am preaching from these verses. The Lord knows why. I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bible to James chapter 5. James chapter 5, and we will begin reading from verse 7. James 5, we'll read verses 7 through 11. James writes, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit 
of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. These few short verses in James are very rich. As a matter of fact, as I, as I, as I was preparing this message, I thought to myself that very easily this could have been an extended series in and of itself, perhaps three, maybe even five sermons. And even beyond that, I thought that this would make quite a book, quite a book. And uh, if there is someone in here who wants to write a book, you know, I, I don't have that uh, gift, but if somebody wants to write a book and you want to talk about it, I'm happy to talk to you about it. But this is quite rich. This is about real life. This is about real life. All of us can relate to what James is talking about. All of us can relate to patience. All of us can relate to suffering. All of us can relate to it. From the youngest person here to the eldest person present. All of us can relate to suffering. It's real life. But what is James telling us in these uh, few verses? What is he saying to us that is so important to our lives? I believe James is saying to us, real simply, that we ought to be patient in suffering as you consider the experiences of champions of the faith and the things that the Lord has brought you through. James is saying to us, be patient in suffering as you consider the experiences of champions of the faith and the things the Lord has brought you through. Be patient in suffering. As we consider these verses, we'll organize our thoughts under two broad headings. Patience in suffering commanded and patience in suffering justified. Let's consider patience and suffering commanded. The command to be patient in suffering. Here's what James says in this regard. 
Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and the late rain. You also be patient. Establish your heart. For the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. In these initial verses, James tells us what biblical patience looks like. Commands us to be patient. And I want to make a point right now and up front. When we talk about biblical patience, we're not talking about the, the patience that the world talks about. You know, there might be some people you know who are not believers. And you look at them and you say, boy, he exercises patience in XYZ situation. Maybe he is tolerant, appears to be tolerant. Well, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about biblical patience. And as we go through this, I want you to see the difference. But James is by no means the only writer in Scripture to teach about patience. Paul teaches that patience is a fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22 And in Romans 12.12, Paul writes, Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Be patient, James tells us. But what does patience mean? What is James really saying to us in these verses? What does it mean to be patient? The dictionary tells us that patience is the capacity to accept or tolerate delay. Accept or tolerate problems or suffering without becoming annoyed or anxious. So patience is being able to tolerate things that you don't like. Delays and problems and suffering without becoming annoyed or anxious. What's suffering? We talk about patience and suffering. Suffering is experiencing something that is undesirable or unwelcome. Implicitly, one thinks of it as something that we experience over a period of time, like sickness or loss of a loved one, or loss of income, or perhaps betrayal, or perhaps being bullied at school. Be patient in suffering. The first thing that we see here in these verses, James says to us, be patient. Be patient. But he doesn't leave us there. He says, be patient Therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. So you see already the distinction between the patience that James tells us to have and the patience of the world. James says, 
Be patient until the coming of the Lord. James tells us how long we should be patient until the coming of the Lord. That's it. He says, be patient until tomorrow. No, be patient until the coming of the Lord. Here James gives us both the object and the implication of our patience. He points to the object of our patience, which is the coming of the Lord. And here's what I mean. Let me clarify that a little bit for you. You see, when we are patient, typically we say we are patiently waiting for something. Well, James says that ultimately we should be patiently waiting for the coming of the Lord. That's the thing that we're looking for. The coming of the Lord. So James says to us, be patient, be patient until the coming of the Lord. James helps us with these words to see that there is something going on. When you think about it, James says, the thing that's most important is the coming of the Lord. So James helps us to see that there is a certain mentality that he has about this world. There isn't anything here that is sufficient for him. James seems to have the attitude of a traveler, of a sojourner. I'm just passing through. James's mindset is that of a non-citizen. James goes on and he writes, See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Here again, James helps us to see the distinction between biblical patience and worldly patience. What does the farmer's attitude look like in this context? James says to us that our patience should be similar to that of the farmer's. What do farmers do? The farmer plants and he waits with expectation. He waits with expectation being mindful that God alone controls the rain. The farmer plants being mindful that God alone determines the quality of his crops. You get a sense that the farmer knows his place. That's the point that James is making. James says the farmer knows his place. He plants and waits. He has a posture of humility. The farmer has a posture of humility. He knows where his work ends and where God's begins. That's the point. James is making. He understands the providence of God. The farmer has faith that things will turn out okay because God is in control. And so James is helping us to see that you and I are to anchor our patience in the providence of God. We are to know where our work ends and where God's begins. 
James tells us that we should be like farmers. Do what we can do and leave the rest to the providence of an omnipotent, omniscient, and all-merciful God. That's what James is telling us. He's saying we can relax, we can be patient in the midst of difficulties, in the midst of suffering. We can be as the farmer. And then James goes on to tell us, he says, establish your heart. He says, establish your hearts. This is a big one. James tells us that patience that we need, the patience that we need requires an established or a resolute heart. James says to us, we must cultivate that disposition before trials come. We need an established heart. Established heart, a decided heart, a fixed heart, a resolute heart. Here are a couple examples of a resolute heart in Scripture. Matthew 16, 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Jesus had a, an established heart. He knew why he came. He was prepared to suffer. He was prepared to be rejected. He was prepared to be crucified. He knew what this world had to offer. And he was determined to fulfill the work of his father. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, Paul writes, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Paul, too, had that attitude. Paul says, I suffer as much as I do, but I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Paul had an established heart. The point I'm making is that before trouble comes, Paul was determined. He was determined that he would serve the Lord before trouble comes. Paul's heart was established. He was determined to be patient in the midst of whatever his experiences were. Establish your hearts. Establish your hearts is what James says to us. Know that this is not a mind control or gritting one's teeth situation. It is really ultimately about God. It's about him. Told you that this patience differs from the world. 
Listen to what, how Peter puts it in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Say that again. Let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. The point that Peter and Jesus and Paul and James make is that the ground on which our patience is carried out or is shown is the ground on our faith. We are relying on a faithful God. We entrust our souls to him. Ultimately, that's what they're saying. We can be patient. We can rely on a faithful creator. And then James says again, in these verses, he says, For the coming of the Lord is at hand. Establish your heart. For the coming of the Lord is at hand. If that were true then, 2,000 years ago when these words were penned, it's certainly true today. James wants us to live with the imminency of Christ's return in view. He wants us to live as if it's going to happen right away. He says, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. The patience that you and I, as believers, ought to have is one in which we live our lives in view of the fact that the coming of the Lord is at hand. And as we do, we can more readily echo the words of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 17. This is what Paul writes. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So Paul says, yeah, this might be hard today. It's hard today. But it does not compare to what we're going to experience when the Lord returns and his return is imminent. So we have reason to be patient. There's no comparison. And then in verse 9, James goes on to say to us, do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. How many of you know that when you're going through difficult circumstances, when you're suffering, perhaps it could be at the hands of a loved one, but whatever the circumstance, it could be an employer, could be a neighbor, could be a health challenge, but whatever it is, how many of you know that it kind of stirs in us 
this desire to, to grumble and to complain, to murmur, to blame someone, or to blame perhaps everyone. If only this had happened. Why is their attitude the way it is? But James warns that patience in suffering is not evident when one is mourning and complaining, grumbling. Rather, it is patiently walking through one's circumstances. James tells us that we ought to be be careful. Listen to the words of James, the way he frames this, he says, so that you may not be judged. Then he says, behold, the judge is standing at the door. Again, speaking about the imminency of Christ's return. But what does this not mean when we talk about being patient in suffering? What does it not mean? Here's something that Peter says to us. Peter says to us in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 15. Let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a meddler. So we can start there. So we're talking about something that we bring on ourselves. That's not what James is talking about. James is... The Bible is helping us, Peter is helping us to see that we're not talking about suffering that is caused by us committing murder, stealing, or committing some other evil act. But the patience that James writes about, patience and suffering, it's not passive patience. It's not wallowing in self-pity, woe is me. It is not the absence of ambition. It's not not fighting back. No, it's none of those things. It is an awareness that God is ultimately in control. And he is working out all things for our good. All things for our good. It is about having the right perspective about life, about this life. Patience in suffering. Knowing, recognizing that we live in a fallen world. James is telling us that suffering will come. That you and I, we will suffer as children, as adults. As older people, we will suffer. He does not pretend it does not exist. But he says that we ought to endure it. James speaks to an important human motivation. If you know that, you will live with Jesus. Patiently endure. That's what he's saying. James is saying, if you know that you will live with Jesus then patiently endure the suffering. If you know that there is light at the end of the tunnel, that's what he's saying. Light at the end of the tunnel, patiently endure. If you know that this affliction is momentary, 
and cannot compare to an eternity with Christ. Patiently endure. James wants to give practicality to our faith. James says, you believe? You believe that God is sovereign? You believe that he is all-powerful? Then show it. Be patient. In, in, impatience is evidence of a lack of faith. Evidence of an absence of humility. Evidence that we don't accept fully God's providence. Impatience leads to complaining and engaging in activities that are sinful. But notice this about James in these few verses that we have read. James does not seek to motivate us with live your best life now or how to avoid suffering. No, James seemed to be saying to us that suffering will happen and you and I ought to endure it. There is something greater. There is someone greater who's in control of everything that you and I experience. In verses 10 and 11, James helps us to see that the patience in suffering that he talks about in the preceding verses is justified. Patience in suffering justified. Here's what James writes. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. James says, your patience, suffering is justified. You, you can stand on it. James tells us how. James says that we can consider the example of others. He said, look at the prophets who preached God's word. And as we consider these instructions from James, we think of Daniel. Cast in the lion's den because he refused to stop praying. He remained steadfast. He remained steadfast. We can consider Hosea. He suffered the pain and indignity of being married to Gomer, an adulterous and wicked woman. He remained steadfast. We can consider Ezekiel. Ezekiel, in the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel writes, The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, behold, I'm about to take the delight of your eyes away from you at a stroke. Yet you shall not mourn or weep. 
nor shall your tears run down. Shortly after that, his wife was taken away from him. He remained steadfast. Jeremiah. Jeremiah ignored by the people. He prophesied too. And even beaten by prophets. Jeremiah, he remained steadfast. Job, James tells us, you have heard of the steadfastness of Job. And we all have. We know him. An upright man who in a moment lost all he had. All he had. He suffered tremendously. Yet he remained steadfast, unwavering, loyal. James says to us that you and I can look to these men. We can draw inspiration from them. We can say that if they did it, we can do it too. That's the point James is making. James says we can look to them. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job. And then James tells us, and you have seen, you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Perhaps James was saying, to you and to me, to his readers, that they know experientially that the Lord is merciful. Perhaps James is saying to us that we've had these experiences before, that we've had these struggles before, we've suffered before. It could very well be that he was saying, To us, as a once popular song says, as I look back over my life and I think things over, I can truly say the Lord has been good. I have a testimony. I've got a testimony. I have a testimony. James is saying to us, consider not only others, but Consider your own experiences. I've got a testimony of the Lord delivering me from the thing that I thought would put me under. I've got a testimony. The thing I'm going through now might be different, slightly different, but it really is the same thing. And truly when I consider it, it pales in comparison to what I've been through. I've got a testimony to hold on to. James is saying that God is merciful. Perhaps James recalls the words of the psalmist when he said, His mercies are new every morning. James reminds us that in the midst of suffering, we can be patient because God is merciful. Perhaps James speaks to the young child for whom everything is not a bed of roses. 
Pops James says to him that these experiences that you have will produce steadfastness if you let them. Then he says, let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete. Maybe James says to the mother who thinks the Lord has abandoned her. Perhaps James says to her, he knows your name. He sees each tear that falls and he hears you when you call. James ends this section speaking about mercy and compassion. He knows, because James knows that no matter how patient you and I are, no matter how established our hearts are, we're going to need mercy and compassion. You're going to need it. Perhaps you are, at this very moment, dealing with something that causes suffering and pain. Perhaps it has a lingering, it's been lingering, and maybe even intense. You might even have questioned God and considered giving up. To you, especially to you, James says, be patient. He says, be patient, no matter what it is. Ask the Lord to still your soul in the midst of the situation and watch him do it. Watch him still your soul. Why? Because he's on your side. The Bible teaches us if God is for us, who can be successfully against us? Written by a German woman, Katarina Schilego in the 17th century. The song, Be Still My Soul, is a perfect summary of how our hearts should be postured during times of suffering. Listen to these words. Be still, my soul. The Lord is on thy side. Bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. Leave to thy God to order and provide. In every change, he faithfully will remain. Be still, my soul, thy best, thy heavenly friend, through thorny ways leads to a joyful end. And then the second verse of the song reads, Be still, my soul, thy God doth undertake to guide the future. You gotta listen to these words. Thy God doth undertake to guide the future as he has the past. Thy hope 
thy confidence. Let nothing shake. All now mysterious shall be bright at last. Be still, my soul. The waves and winds still know his voice who ruled them while he dwelt below. Let me remind us of what 1 Corinthians 12, 26 says. Tells us that if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. What's the point? It's the point I'm making. The point I'm making is that we rejoice in community and we suffer in community. But it calls for us to be transparent. God has blessed us with this. He's blessed us and we ought to take advantage of it. We ought to use it to the bone. As we conclude this message, we must recall that grace to be patient during suffering is because we have it. We have the grace to be patient during suffering because of the suffering that Jesus endured on the cross. He's not only our perfect exemplar, he is the one who gives us grace to hold up under the pressures of life to the non-believers. Perhaps you say that if believers suffers like you say they do, what's the point? Well, there's an answer for you in the Bible too. Read Second Thessalonians 1 verse 9. It says, they, that is unbelievers, will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and the glory of his might. For you suffer here and you suffer there. Believers, listen to this beautiful promise that you and I have. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prisons that you may be tested. And for 10 days you will have tribulation. Listen to how this verse concludes. Be faithful unto death, and I will give to you a crown of life. And that's what you and I have to look forward to. As I close, I want to read for you the fourth stanza of the beautiful song, Be Still, My Soul. Listen to what it says. Be still, my soul. The hour is hastening on when we shall be forever with the Lord. When disappointment, grief, and fear are gone. Sorrow forgot, 
love's purest joys restored. Be still, my soul, when change and tears are past. All safe and blessed, we shall meet at last. Let us pray. Lord, we need you. We need your help. We need grace to be patient. We need grace to endure. Father, calm our hearts. Lord, some present are dealing with situations that they haven't even told anyone about. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would give to each one the grace to endure. Lord, let there be fruit from the word that was preached today in all of our lives. Lord, let it be true that from the simplest thing in our lives to the most significant, the patience is evident Let us keep our eyes fixed on the return of Christ. Cause us, O Lord, to establish our hearts, to make firm decisions that come what may, we are going to be patient in suffering. We're not going to grumble. Lord, help us. We need your help. From the smallest child to the Eldest among us, we all need your help. And Lord, help us also to to help one another. Help us to rejoice and to suffer with one another. In Jesus' name, and all God's people say, Amen.